think this is the first time I let the song play fully without interrupting it. <laughs> Welcome back, listeners. This is Stories with My Muslim Mom. I'm your host, Ali Sultan. And with me, as always, the beautiful... Muna Shamsan. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. I'm, are you excited to be back? It's been a while. Yeah. How long has it been? Two months. Couple months, Greg. I think it was the beginning of summer when we last got together. Wow. What's the what, what month? I think it was uh, June. June. Okay, and that wow. was uh, that was, was the last ten. episode we did. Uh, who was it? Who Dan. did we have for the last? Dan. Yeah, the Don. Dan. We had Don. Right. Yeah, that was a great episode from yeah. the uh, from the uh, festival. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. French festival. French fest, and that was great. What and happened? we decided to take a little break, right? Summer break. That's usually, what we do that for each season. And then this week I had a I had a show called uh, Outpost, and it was a, a variety show. Usually when I do comedy, it's just stand up. And then I watched the show, and there was like some violin players, musical acts, and you know it was cool to watch. And then there was a, a poet that came through, and uh, I heard the most beautiful poetry. And I, I I was sitting down, and at one point I stood up because it was like that captivating. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, I want to be friends with this poet, and I would love to have her on my podcast. Mm. And that poet is... Hi. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a bit, is that too much pressure for an <laughs> intro? Is that too yeah. big? <laughs> Sagira Shahid. Mm-hmm. Is it Sagira Shahid? You're saying it better than I can because I don't speak Arabic. Sagira Shahid, yeah. And you it's, do. Uh, it's the letter Ghain. Yep. Uh, meaning Shahid or Shah- Shahid? Shahid. Oh, okay. Like Shahada, right? Mm. Salida, thanks for uh, being here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you again and uh-huh. to meet your mother. Yeah. I've kind of <laughs> been some of the earlier episodes of this podcast and I'm not. You coming. have? Yeah. Which ones did you listen to? The early ones, like the first couple like, of ones. Okay. And then I skipped to like something from this season too, like mm-hmm. an interview with another comedian, a Somali comedian. Ahmed? Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Did you enjoy the podcast? Yeah, it's pretty dope. It is good, yeah. huh? Okay. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, you got your mama. I was uh, just talking to my mama. I brought my brother. Uh, I'm like, it's a, it's a family affair. This is a family affair. And your yeah. brother is here with us, and he's going to play us a beautiful song later, and I'm excited to hear it. Uh, actually, I happen to know your brother. I mean, like, we, we don't know know each other, but we came across each other multiple times. Um, uh, we have a common friend, Osama. Uh, A.K.A. He goes by Sammy now. I still, I don't know. I don't know about that. You still call him Osama? Yeah. I, I think I'm just now catching up to the to fact Sammy? that he goes by Sammy. Yeah. I don't know why he changed it. I think it has to do with something. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know why he would <laughs> want to change his name. It's not a good name, yeah. Osama. That's like the measure of how bad you can be as a person is if you retire a name. <laughs> well, I mean, you know I mean, there's no Adolfs anymore, right? No, that's yeah. true. There's Osama's turned into Sammy. It's a very tragic time. Uh, <laughs> and anywho, I, uh, I I was really inspired to come back to the podcast because of your po- not only your poetry, but it's uh, there's a dog also. <laughs> What's the name <laughs> of this dog? dog? Frankie. Shout out to Frankie. Frankie <laughs> will be in the background here and there. Hype, uh, <laughs> hype dog. If poetry was a vehicle t- to your soul, right? Your soul was very transparent in, in the way you delivered your poetry. I, I don't know if that's insulting to say, but it was just it was, it was, I saw something special, and I was like, "Oh man, I, I gotta talk to this person, and I, I need to." And the podcast is really an excuse to uh, to know you more. I really appreciate that's really beautifully said, and honestly, um, 
I felt like I had a similar reaction to your comedy. I was like, you know, I'm a poet, so I'm like, okay, comedy. I don't go to a ton of comedy shows. I like watching comedy stuff. But then when I saw it, I was like, whoa, he's talking to this audience in this kind of way. You helped me visualize things that are very specific to Minnesota and the mm -hmm. Twin Cities, and I really appreciated your voice. I was mm, like, thank you. similar reaction. I was like, I need to know this person. This is hilarious. Yeah. It's like I needed to laugh, because laughing also gives you, um, it's cathartic. It gives you this uh, ability sure. to kind of release in a way that you need to, it's healthy. Yeah, and that, that the setting was kind of like, I feel like we both were kind of out of place, right? A little bit, it's classical a, it's, music. It's classical music, it had a very NPR, uh, you know, like liberals from Edina vibe. Where was that? It's, a, it's, a, it's called the Hook and Ladder Theater. And it's a cool gig, it's a very cool very gig, cool. but it, the atmosphere was, this is, uh, comedy is raw, you know, it's just like, it's kind of like unfiltered and, you know, a little, you know, grim, you know, and that was like just perfection. And I think poetry fits well with that, but I fell out of place. So I was like, I got to address it. I <laughs> fell out of place too, honestly. I was like me and my big Afro and like, my shirt <laughs> racially like, for sure. I was like very black, very Muslim. Uh -huh. Like when you talk about your white racism and white supremacy and uh -huh. we'll see how let's talk about this. You know? Let's see how you handle it. Yeah. yeah. But like you, from a place of love. Yeah. Do you, uh, uh, as a poet, do you feel, do you feel attention from if it's like an, a white audience? Do you feel attention of white guilt sometimes? Does it? Do you like sometimes? I feel if I'm doing like a, a bit or something, and I can see people get uncomfortable, and it's uh, and it's it's hard to kind of perform, and you kind of have to like jump that. Do you feel the same way with poetry? You know, I feel like I used to feel that way, but then I started kind of going back to like who am I doing these poems for? The mm. thing about living in Minnesota is like it's just a given, like you're gonna perform in spaces sometimes where there aren't people who kind of um, are from your community, they're yeah. not gonna be there, that's just the reality of how performance works here. Mm -hmm. But when I'm writing my poems and um, performing them, I have to kind of quiet like any of that audience stuff and focus on like the inner audience, which is my community, I think. Um, and I'm trying to like mm. write, I guess, from a point of love to my community. And mm -hmm. what does that look like without, as Toni Morrison always said so eloquently, like the white gaze, how do I create without like that constraint? Because I'm always thinking about that living as a black woman in Minnesota. Mm. Um, and so I'm negotiating that. But um, in terms of how that influences my art or my practice in terms of performance, um, I try not to focus on that unless I'm like, even the call-out nature, because I have sometimes have pieces where I directly call out that dynamic yeah. between audience um, and being and performer, yeah. But more and more as I get older, I'm thinking about, okay, that's wasting my time in terms of my ability to develop as an artist and grow in terms of focusing so, so much energy on that. I'd rather like focus on my community in an authentic way, in a genuine mm -hmm. way that mm -hmm. centers us and our stories mm -hmm. and our beauty and um, the nuances of that than like spending so much time on this other thing. Okay, and, and, and even like, okay, so how do you, how does that work? So for example, you're writing for that inner audience, right? Or the inner voice that's, that's for your community. But when you're performing live, it's not really your community that's there to to hear what you're saying. So how do you transcend that audience and connect with an audience that's not even there at the moment? I, I don't know. You're, um, I think that's what I'm still figuring out mm. as a uh, emerging artist. Mm. But I think sometimes for me that means kind of adopt, because I'm also an introvert and I'm awkward, mm. so I have to... Welcome like, to the club. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so I have to like mentally put myself someplace else uh -huh. and like channel that. So I'm like, even if I'm alone, 
I'm not alone. My community is here. Like, mm-hmm. I have this huge history that I carry with me, this huge culture. Mm-hmm. And all these folks are here with mm-hmm. me in spirit. So I got to channel that energy and then bring that, like, that energy to the stage and to the mic and just trust in that. Because I know I'm going to make some people uncomfortable and angry. I know that someone is always going to have some, some kind of clapback to say to me that's negative or who doesn't understand mm-hmm. maybe the complexity of the subject that I'm trying to explore. Mm-hmm. And so I have to just be comfortable with not being able to please that and yeah. rather just like get that energy from elsewhere. That's great. That's great. You get it from like within, yeah. basically. I'm not to the depth that you have, but I relate to that as like doing stand up. Like sometimes it's, for me, it's harder because, you know, it's not, it's not only about uh, transcending them. I have to, my job depends on their reaction. So if they're not laughing, then I'm not doing a good job, right? So I have to, you know, I still have, you know, I have to like work through the white guilt, work through the, you know, implicit bias and all that stuff. And I, and even if I get it, I get it to work, I feel like they resent me after the show sometimes. You huh. know what I mean? Like uh, I see it, like especially if it's like another brown or or person of color performer, and they're doing like a more of a light kind of like they're dancey on stage, meaning like they're just pure entertainers. Uh, and they don't provoke or they don't push the audience after the show. I feel like they they kind of intentionally like you know just they, they give me a weird look and then they'll just talk to the other person as if to say you should be doing this. <laughs> you know, wow. what I, mean? I get I get that vibe a lot, and, hmm. and, and sometimes you know it's annoying. You know, but, but it's like yeah, it's yeah. you got to do what you, you got to be true to yourself. I know sometimes I try to mess with this because I I guess I'm still struggling with this idea of audience performer because mm-hmm. I'm a poet too so it's like haha poetry <laughs> like who's gonna take that seriously I don't know some people do but like <laughs> <then> I also <laughs> it's just an interesting space to create because there's a lot of permission to do all sorts of things when you're in the audience of folks who are, have the expectation of receiving poetry mm-hmm. and so sometimes I try to physically with my body like immerse myself in the audience in different creative ways to remind folks that I'm an actual person mm-hmm. like you're not just gonna take this poem and like oh wow this tragic poem about this thing and it's sad mm-hmm. like I want you to, I don't remind you that I'm a I'm an actual person Mm -hmm. this isn't this is even if this is not like uh, because it's not like biographical necessarily Mm -hmm. all the time in the poetry but I want you to consider my physical body consider the physicality of this context Mm. it's not just you stay there and I'm up here or vice versa these are words yeah Yeah, I'm here with you exactly yeah cool I like that yeah, that, that makes me feel better <laughs> about my... I feel like, you know, there's like a parallel and not sorry to... I don't want to make it about myself, but... No, no, I appreciate um, that. Uh, so what's what's your objective with poetry? To... I don't know if I have an objective. I think it's just a habit that I developed uh, over really? time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a habit? Poetry is a habit? Yeah, it's like an addiction. I didn't like have any intention to do poems. Um, it just kind of was something... Look, you know, I grew up Muslim, right? Yeah. So if you learn um, Quran, if you're memorizing Quran, you're learning yeah. the stories of the uh-huh. Prophet, there's uh-huh. a lot of oral traditions. And since yes. I don't speak Arabic, mm-hmm. but learning these things, that was always making me pay attention to language in a very intense way. Mm-hmm. And so that sonic attention to language influenced me. Mm-hmm. And then it also made me want to express myself. So when I was a kid, I was always like drawing things, writing little things all over. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like share them to anybody. Um, yeah. If you study in the Quran, it's uh, one of its supposed miracles is it's the the linguistic gift that that it has within it. It's very complex, very metaphorical, and very rich in language. Absolutely. So that makes sense. So even like so, you're basically saying like the traditions in in which you grew and 
also kind of influenced you to be a, a poet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then like our <coughs> family, my, so I'm looking at my brother, even mm -hmm. though he's not mic'd up, but it's like very creative too, like storytelling or storytelling. Our mother's a great storyteller. Yeah. Songs. And like surrounded by that, I couldn't help it. Like I was always doing something creative, but I didn't identify as a creative person until college when I like took actual poetry classes and stuff uh -huh. like that. And I was like, okay, maybe I want to explore this. But I was terrified. I couldn't even speak in front of people out loud. Mm. Like, I remember once trying to go to open mic in high school. And, like, I'm almost vomiting on stage. <laughs> like, I <laughs> couldn't say anything out loud. I was like, oh, this is because this is audition. <laughs> and, like, they, I, looked at, I looked at the person auditioning because they auditioned before. It was, like, a series open mic. I uh. went to Roosevelt High School. Shout out to South Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to vomit. I can't. I can't say anything. But I have all these journals. I'm like. I couldn't do it. I was you couldn't do it? No, I was afraid. I, so I ran. <laughs> I was so scared. Wow. wow. Mom, yeah. do you, you look like you have a question. Well, I, I don't know you yet. Can you tell about yourself a little bit? Yeah. My your beginning and yeah. your family. Yeah. My you're beginning, you're my middle, <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> my future. <laughs> you, you're, uh, you should, I don't know. Uh, you weren't born here. You were born in, uh, was it Chicago? No, I was born here. My my You're family. Okay, yeah. okay. I lived here. I was born in Hennepin County Hospital Hennepin County. Okay, in 1989. Okay. Mm. Makes me 30 years old. <laughs> um, I lived in the Twin Cities my whole life, except for a couple of years in Michigan. Mm. My family's African American. Um, my grandparents converted to Islam around the same time mm. that a lot of people did in Chicago. A lot of Black people did around those political movements and stuff. Mm. Three of the four, and then my great grandmother as well. And then my parents, both parents, are raised Muslim uh, in Chicago. They, um, our parents were high school sweethearts, kind of. <laughs> my mom's family moved to Minneapolis from Chicago when she was a teenager, and my dad was so sad. So he wrote her these love letters or whatever, and then he <laughs> ended up moving uh, here to marry my mom. So he's, he's the first poet of the family. I get and a dancer too. They're divorced now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> happens. It was young love that made two kids, but um, my dad has some more kids too. Uh, and she she was married young to him, uh, seventeen, about. How do you know that? Oh, I did some research. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm hide my notes. <laughs> oh. Whoa! <laughs> it's very specific. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she was married young. They're both they're both very young. Because uh -huh. my grandma was like, she was old school. She was like, not having it. You're not dating. Mm -hmm. As a Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they got married. They had kids, and then. And I saw a lot of a lot of your mom and my mom, and 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 in which the, mm. the influence, the talent, the um, the playfulness, right? I, I heard the, a story about uh, how she would uh, prank you guys, right? As kids. Oh my god! I did some research. I did a little bit of research. I usually don't do research, right. but I felt the need to because you know. My brother could attest. My mom was goofy. She used to do. She used to. But it was like she I think she was trying to find opportunities to make us remember to be joyful mm -hmm. and happy because mm -hmm. we were living. We were poor. We grew up poor. Mm -hmm. And she was uh, and sometimes um, it was just kind of like lower income. Um, but it was OK. But sometimes it was like pretty, pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And so I think she would try to do silly things mm -hmm. to just remind us to have fun. Um, but it was like oh, nice. extra dramatic <laughs> sometimes <laughs> for us as kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and you say and and uh, so is this uncomfortable that I know someone? No, I'm just I'm like okay. wow. <laughs> <laughs> First of and all, you know my friend. <laughs> no worries. Well, hey, so yeah, so she she's uh, the other thing that I admired about your mom, and she reminded me of your sister Samira. Uh, Samira 
when we lived in Ethiopia, she was, we were also, you know, she's basically started from the beginning, you know. We lived in a very, like, poor place and things were really rough and then eventually she she gained a little momentum and as if she, while she's surviving herself she would uh, have people come over and live mm-hmm. with us you know what i mean she would have people from the village come through and stay she would adopt random people wow. she would <laughs> it, literally like by that time we i left we I, there was like maybe 11 strangers uh, you know by that time family living with us you know from all places and, and wow. your, your mom did the same thing yeah in, in, in I'm, I'm, I'm like i'm my mind is blown right now yes mm-hmm. we she did the same thing uh yeah we would always uh grow up around so many different people um and at our house for whatever amount of time my mom would see someone um especially in michigan mm-hmm. um and there's it's kind of weird because we grew up with a lot of times it was women with children that would just end up staying with us for however long they needed right and it's like you build like these really deep relationships with the kids but i don't remember some of these kids names but mm. we had like these almost like very tight-knit like deep like moments together in childhood mm-hmm. and then it's like it's over with you know well but how does that affect you as an adult when you have like such a, like strong yet fast ending relationships with people like that's intense you're they're living with you yeah. you're a kid and foster children you know. as well living with us yeah. yeah and then all of a sudden they're gone does that like uh, does that create any like abandonment uh, mm. thing or I think like, it creates opportunity for mm. joy because joy, recently okay. in recent years we've been reconnecting with kids because the internet's really? different you know it was yeah, like the yeah. 90s so now we have like so for example a former step sibling of ours and uh, we reconnected with her like a couple of years ago and a former foster kid. He was a baby when wow. we knew him and he's like, they're doing great. They're both artists um, wow. performing. Cool. And it's just really nice to see, cause you see like this part of their life and then it's like done. And it was like a lot of, you know, bad things going on, some good things mm-hmm. too, but it's like, you hope the best. And then it's like, when you see someone who makes it out of a difficult thing and they're mm-hmm. thriving, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And then you get to like, Hey, we like share these moments. So this with our sister, um, who's a musician, um, that was really, we're, we're still in contact. And like, I call her my sister now. Like oh, she's wow. my sister. That's beautiful. And so we we're family. Um, she's mm-hmm. getting married soon. It's really exciting. Um, and then one of our former foster kids is also a musician, talented, wow. super talented, I uh, was in school and college, and um, I, like, on borderline cried because I saw him <laughs> uh, at an open mic or something. I don't know. It was just, like, and he was, Randomly? like, yeah, Well, Hassan <coughs> saw him first, okay. and then he was, like, went up to him, uh-huh. and he was, like, I know who your family, because he went, he goes by a different name now, but uh-huh. um, he said his old name. He was, like, well, how do you, same, like, Did you, you recognize <laughs> him just from looking at him? You knew who he was just by seeing him. Wow, that's yeah. amazing, because you can recognize somebody who's just, like, he was a baby. Wow. He was like two years old. Yeah. That's insane. But it's like that's such a cool thing to reconnect. Yeah. I guess you know. Then it's not a, the relationship didn't end there. Now it's like yeah. And you get to see the before and after. Yeah. Or, you know, if we're still alive, there's still an opportunity to that's true to see each other, spend time with each other. Very true. Um, and and you know one th- 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 I did most of the research was really like listening to another <laughs> podcast. <you were> on. <laughs> I'm like I, I made and, like an and, yeah. and choice. One of the things that struck me was um, the level of poverty you were describing of the people that you were helping mm-hmm. i didn't even imagine america had that level of poverty oh even it worse. was it was mind-blowing even worse 
Like there are parts of this country, even here in Minnesota and some rural parts too, it's, it's really shameful to have extreme poverty in such a wealthy country. country. Yeah. But it exists. Um, Describe that level of poverty. What are we talking about for those who are unfamiliar? I mean, I can't, I don't feel like I can speak with authority about Michigan right now because I haven't mm -hmm. been back as an adult. Mm -hmm. I just have my memories as a kid mm -hmm. and I know that Michigan has always been struggling. We've heard about a lot of stuff mm -hmm. in the news too, yeah. especially with um with Flint, but yeah. we live in the Detroit area or in Hamtramck, a place <coughs> near Detroit. But it was just night and day. Like for example, in Minnesota, we were on food stamps and stuff like that, but I never knew it. We were in subsidized housing, I never knew it. And then um, we could, even if things were bad, I could still, like, we could still have access to, I don't know, a certain kind of comfortability. Whereas in Michigan, there was no like facade. Mm -hmm. It was like there were, I don't want, I feel terrible saying this because I also have an uh, issue with uh, especially cities that are predominantly black kind of getting stigmatized and only focusing on the um, on the bad stuff in the city. Right. But it, the reality and the poverty of a city, and the city offers more than that. But yeah, there were abandoned buildings. Um, there were homes that um, were condemned. There was a lot of empty homes, I remember that. A lot of uh, homes that people had to leave. Um, it was just really bad poverty and people were hungry. Like, mm. that's why we would have people living with us, because people didn't... You described a family that, like, was so skinny because they yeah. were starving, right? Is yeah, the little girls. I'll never forget that the little girl was so tiny and skinny and hungry, and we didn't have a lot either. You remember this with the rice? Yeah, <laughs> you remember that? No um, food is dumb, no, uh, no um, For us, when we went there, it took us a while to get it's the benefits seven. because we're moving to a different state. There was a lag. We actually mm. didn't have a house right away. We were staying for a while in someone's attic. <laughs> just lucky because our grandmother at the time um, just had this friend, and so we were able to stay in that person's attic for a while. But then we ended up getting a place, but then even the food stamps took a while to get. And then, or we, maybe we didn't get them. I'm not sure. But it's. I know that Minnesota has a lot more resources for public assistance. Mm. Some states don't have that. Some yeah. cities don't have that. And Michigan and Detroit area was one of those places where it was very hard folks to get that help and even if they did it didn't do as much as it does here if that makes mm -hmm. sense in terms of stretching yeah um but yeah they were very they were very skinny i'll never forget that like she was eating like we didn't have any we had rice and i knew we had bread because <laughs> the bakery but um uh, she was like scraping the bottom of the, the pot the for the rice pot and i'm like oh. well i'll never forget that mm. she's so tiny such a complex place to be too when you're like you're poor yourself and then you see that level of poverty yeah. and you're like you're gonna be grateful but you're also yeah. like uh <laughs> and even here in minnesota there are people who are homeless or are mm -hmm. starving but you know people make it work but we have extreme poverty here mm -hmm. and not what even in rural parts even just uh, in the twin cities too what's i mean the, probably the solution is complicated but what what, what can the average person do to you know, help that situation. That's a hard thing to say. It's a hard question. And I'm also a poet. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, I would say be involved in your community in the best way you can because everybody has a different life and the resources and the ability to mm -hmm. impact change in their own micro community. I think it starts in the home. Mm -hmm. So if that looks like for your family, if that's building relationships with people in your family who are struggling and supporting them that way, that's m maybe that's how that translates. If that means going and seeing what organizations are doing work to address those particular things, if it's like people serving people at the homeless shelter, or if it's like another resource where you mm -hmm. can like donate some clothes, donate some time, maybe get involved, you can do that. Mm -hmm. You can also 
really this is the the one that a lot of folks I think could be involved in was like local politics being involved in that way a lot mm -hmm. of times there are some sneaky bills or policies that get passed that really negatively impact mm -hmm. communities um, and making sure give me an example of uh, a recent one the uh, last one yet. okay I'm not very eloquent about like no, reading no. stuff yeah. but the summary um, of it yeah in the city of Minneapolis um, there's been a back and forth about um, housing I, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but there's a lot of conversation about the resources for, or the rules and regulations for renters and like what landlords have to be responsible for. And like, essentially, if, if I'm going to, uh, please forgive me, folks no, no who actually know this uh, topic a lot more, but basically <laughs> it's like trying to get rid of some of these barriers that get in the way of impoverished folks or folks who are in lower income brackets to get access to housing and uh, a way that doesn't like stigmatize them and also make sure that landlords are accountable. And so landlords are upset because they're like, these are like, we need these things to like, you know, make sure that we're processing people a certain kind of particular kind of way and make sure that we can, you know, have some fairness for us when we're renting out housing to folks. And renters are like, this is impossible. We can't get stable housing and we can't afford it. And the stuff that we can afford um, is really terrible. Um, and so there's this back and forth going on, like in the city of Minneapolis and specifically about this. I'm butchering that, but it's a lot. But like if you have like a neighborhood association or something like that, maybe go and get involved in that. Um, and like learn those issues. I guess I'm not a really yeah. good example of that, but um, being aware of like what's going on and how it negatively impacts the, the, the community. Yeah, yeah. The, the people who don't have the most privilege. I think that's mm. the way I always try to frame it. People who don't have the most privilege and or the most power and in the context of wherever you are. Mm -hmm. Like support those people, show up mm -hmm. for those people, mm -hmm. show up for those communities. And oftentimes you'll find if you're paying attention, that's actually your community anyways. Like there's a, we're all connected mm -hmm. in some kind of way to a lot of these things but there's you could pick any one for example in the schools i do a lot of work in schools and discipline in schools like a lot of uh, for black kids and indigenous kids in particular the education outcomes the health outcomes it's terrible um mm -hmm. opportunities very terrible and so if you're in a school setting for example how can you affirm a black youth how can you support them um if you a one-on-one -on -one, but also how can you advocate for them uh, in the school settings. Um, or so give me an policies. example of what you do. So uh, you go to a school, and what does that look like? Uh, right now I have a <coughs> residency at this school um, in South Minneapolis, okay. or south of the Twin Cities. And I just do poems with the kids. But okay. it's not really like poems. Um, these kids are either in the school because of, of, of it's like a work with kids who are neurodivergent, and meaning like, Maybe they're on the autism spectrum, or mm -hmm. maybe they have um, other things going on. But like, um, and there's a different groups of kids there in that school, and all age ranges from like, I think the youngest kid I work with was 10, and the oldest is like 18 or 19. And okay. I spend some time with them. But we write poetry together. It's part of okay. this other program, and they they and the goal is to have like a collection of poems that they create. But sometimes I'm like one of the only like black artists that they're encountering in the mm. day. Maybe it gives them an example of oh this is like uh, well also and too, yeah. and then a lot of these kids are also uh, kids of color too, mm -hmm. so it's like reminding them that you're not because sometimes people say things to kids and they're like or in their body language they treat especially black youth like you're already criminal like you're already like not enough and for me I'm always like you are more than enough you're highly intelligent and I'm not going to. I want to challenge you creatively, but also uh, rigorously in terms of a the academics of what we're going to do. 
but I want you to know I see you. I'm not going to presume anything about you. I mm -hmm. want you to be seen. I want you to be affirmed. Mm -hmm. And I want you to have that that uh, self-worth within yourself, too. Mm -hmm. So it's like that relationship is more important to me than the art, actually, um, mm -hmm. because... The art is like in a vehicle to yes, yes. get to them at a deeper level and yeah. help them with the self-esteem. and Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like with with anything. Like I think you can pick anything in your life. Mm -hmm. If it's like if you're at a board room and someone is like, let's do something that you feel like a little queasy about, mm -hmm. speak up if you can. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just challenge different things if you can. Speak up, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't speak up. That's, uh, <laughs> I think that's. Uh, it's scary. It's hard. Yeah. There's a lot of bystanders. Yeah. It's it's very comfortable to not speak up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And there's a whole lot of power dynamics too, because sometimes you know you got a family, you mm -hmm. got to feed, and you got to make uh, wise choices. But sometimes you got to take a risk too. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. sometimes it's like also bringing other folks in too. So mm -hmm. when you have positions of power to hire folks or mm -hmm. bring folks in and support people. That's great. That's uh, that's that's a, that's a lot of uh, ways we can help for sure. <laughs> from the poet, uh, I'm not a from no. from a poet, and I mean from a person with experience, right? Mom, do you have any questions? I love what you're doing, early, and uh, that tells me how art is a national language, and it's you can do many things wi with art, and it's so attractive to kids, to different type of people, easy to explain your idea and be acceptable mm -hmm. since you are, I love it Thank you. would you be would you be kind if it's not a lot of pressure to do you have a, uh, any poems that you would like to share with us because mom didn't uh, see uh, any of your poetry and I think it would be nice to showcase maybe a piece and take your, take your time there's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no pressure no pressure but no pressure hashtag pressure hashtag no pressure <laughs> <laughs> I feel very corny because there's a poem that I I memorized that I could recite. Mm -hmm. What is it about? Uh, it's called Mashallah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just so something s small that I wrote to just affirm black youth. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about just celebrating yourself, basically. But okay. I think I want to do one about moms because you're a mom. Oh, there you go. And um, this is a kind of like, you know, this the, the theme of this uh, podcast is very mom-centric. Yeah. Right? I mean. Uh, do you got one about Greg? <laughs> I could write a poem about Greg. Oh, Greg is a sweetheart. Okay, that's perfect. And thanks mm -hmm. for uh, willing to do this. I know this is a weird way. It's like I've, I, anytime I do radio or anything like that, and people say, tell us a joke. Uh, I really do they really? <laughs> they so doing much, that. I hate it. Mm -hmm. But I hope that it's not like the same thing. Is oh. it? It is. That podcast that you <laughs> listen to, I made them go. Because that, that, that podcast that I think you listened to, mm -hmm. I was really sad because my grandmother passed away or was really? sick um, when that was being recorded. But I'm it was sorry. recorded in two parts. Okay. And so the first half, she mm. was we, we were basically in the hospital all the time. Mm. Um, but I didn't like share that. And then the second part, they asked, oh, can you do some poems? And then I was like really sad. But I was like, I kicked the guy out. I was like, okay. I'll, I was like, get out of the room. Let and me I'll just read it. them alone. Really? Okay. okay. Well, if you want us to turn our heads. No, no, no. It's okay. Because um, you told me before. So I was like, what? Okay. I'm going to do one for moms. One but for it's moms. like an old one. So I don't know. I it don't doesn't know. matter what the. Yeah. Know, it just, and it's. Anyways, it's called Surveillance of yeah. Joy. You had like 10 pieces, I think, on, uh, was it Saturday? No, just a couple. A couple. You, I you did, there were some of the long You had ones. some pieces you didn't recite, right? Would oh, you? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm always, I'm very always weird. Prolific. Oh. You're fun. See, now that's why I'm nervous. You oh. can't hype up. I'm not. Uh, she's all right. <laughs> I <laughs> she's okay. You. All, right. <laughs> all right. Surveillance of joy. It was never about the camera or the power its lens claimed to transmit. It was always about our mothers, black and Muslim and alive, and how you zoomed out so far. Convinced we did not exist, you projected your ignorance through the aperture of this lie. At first, even our neighbors distanced themselves from us, as if proximity would spread your illusion or worse. I want you to know down here, a gate of paradise clips itself to the callous feet of our mothers. I want you to know down here, your dark chambers only captured the flat shadows of our likeness. You can't own the ceremony of our broken-hearted mothers repurposing grief or filter in the way their deliberate joys ignited confidence in us until our winnowed-down bodies puckered. The alchemy of what these women could do. The world told us we were worth one thing. Our mothers sucked the poison out. And when we thought we had to muffle our laughter, our mothers said, louder. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. That's a very wow. beautiful poem. Thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you for letting so me. so amazing. <laughs> that, that was so good. I, I want an encore. I want another one. <laughs> that was good. Mom, how, what do you think about that poem? Oh, very nice. Oh. Powerful. Very nice powerful. Yeah. Amira would love this episode. <laughs> Amira, <laughs> would love Amira. Amira is uh, my younger, my younger. Uh, oh, sister. Oh, yeah. She likes poetry? Mm. Is she a, a poetry person? No, the the idea, you know, supporting <laughs> black and she's community. Yeah, community. Yeah, and she's yeah. very involved in yeah. just a she humanitarian the personality. progress. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. That's very true. Uh, where are we at on time? <laughs> We're at 35, so do you want to switch minutes? to Hassan and talk to him for a little bit? Yeah. 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 We're going to jump in? Cool. Yes. We'll do a little switch. We're doing a Shaheed switch. A- and <laughs> is there anything before I let you go? Is there anything that you would like to share with us? Or with the audience, uh, usually I'd say, like, uh, share, like, a lesson or something that you take to heart um, that w- can help our listeners. I think you should practice kindness mm-hmm. intentionally in your life, both with yourself and your body and the folks around you. You can't go wrong with that. Okay. Okay. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate Hassan, you. I, appreciate you having I just realized we, me and you kind of briefly went to North Hennepin Community College together, right? Mm-hmm. Am I wrong about that? Um, I think we probably were in college around the same time, but yeah. I didn't go to North Hennepin. You didn't go to no. North Hennepin? Did no. I see you there? Possibility. Possibility. Okay. Okay. But I, I in the Twin Cities always. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've seen you here and there, and I've seen you play music before, and it's very captivating. And it's very beautiful. And you have I perform ch- randomly all over the city. So. Yeah. What's your favorite spot to perform at? <laughs> My favorite spot. Um. I would definitely have to say the Stone Arts Bridge. On the bridge on, itself? On the bridge itself. Yes. With an audience or just by yourself? Just by myself. And, I mean, mm-hmm. the audience comes and goes. It's, it's usually just more just for myself. Mm. Just uh, publicly. It's like a, it's like, it's like the, if, I, if I'm an artist, I am an artist now. I've become an artist. It's crazy. But um, it's like my canvas. And it's just a place for me to do my art openly and feel free and I'm not disturbed or disturbing anybody. If anything, people are happy and playing the guitar on, on the bridge. Yeah, and if they're not, they keep it moving, right? Yeah. So you're, just, you're yeah. in that space. And you, are you facing, um, where, where are you fa- I'm just trying to visualize this. Are you on the bridge? Are you facing the water or are you facing the, or just your? your I'm just on the bridge. Just I'm on just the bridge. I'm just on the bridge. It may be a different angle depending uh-huh. on the day, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. What's the nicest compliment you've gotten playing on a bridge? Nicest compliment I've gotten? Oh, just people just coming around, sitting down, listening, um, taking my guitar and playing a song with me. That's beautiful. Um, you know, I think the thing about art is that you realize that there's tons of artists out here. Um, and when you're able to, like, do something that, you're, that you love doing, um, people gravitate towards that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's, like, the most beautiful thing about it is it's, like, it's, it's those moments I find, like, peace. Because in my day-to-day life, you know, business, you can get stressed out. But when I'm doing that, I only find happy people and happiness and, and those and that, and that artistic stage where I'm at. So okay. it's usually I connect with all different types of people and yeah. people are responding usually well and mm-hmm. handing me food. And That's nice. Yeah, it's great. Do you, what, do, what do you have to do? What's the business? Wheel? What's the day job? Day job? Um, <laughs> Hassan stays um, with different jobs. Okay. Um, but I actually been um, recently um, taking these IT classes. Oh, yeah. So I'm actually doing a whole career change. I was a extra youth worker for a long time. Mm-hmm. Quit my job literally like uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, just been uh, trying some new career paths. It's been very well for me. So starting to dabble into the IT industry. And but the, and the dream would be to do music and also full-time? and also still to do music because I'm constantly playing music. I'm playing yeah. music in the streets whenever I'm not working. I'm playing guitar, um, going to community, performing different places. So yeah, yeah my, my my music is like my therapy. But um, you know, you have to have a variety of type of incomes. For and, sure, you know, I gotta live. Yeah. So and. Um, where can we find you if somebody wants to find more of your music? Is there a YouTube channel? Is there anything on Spotify? So I, I just, I've been more proactive. I actually think I've been really proactive on Instagram. Sometimes I think it's an overkill. Okay. Um, but um, I, I recently put some songs on all streaming platforms. So um, my artist name is actually Shahidi. Um, if you want to find me on like Spotify or SoundCloud. Instagram, Facebook, I mean, you could start there. Or Instagram's like Shahidi Acoustics. That's okay, where you can find cool. my music. And what's your, uh, uh, you said Instagram is at what? At um, Shahidi? Shahidi Acoustics. How, how do you spell uh, Shahidi? S-H-A-H-I-D-I underscore Acoustics. Oh, well, thanks for being here and take us away. Yeah, um, yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah, this song that I'm doing, I, I realize this is like, um, I've heard mothers and mm-hmm. listened to this. And this song's about my mom, actually. Or I wrote for my mom, or I was writing it when I was thinking of my mother. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it's called You're the Reason. Realize 
having given up on love How long does it take for me to realize you're the only one I trust? You're the reason I still love. It's been a while since I've heard from you. I just want to know how you've been And that I miss you much I can't tell you To tell you You're the reason why I still love Beautiful, man. That was very beautiful. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, really? So, yeah. I hope to see more of that. When is uh, your next performance live? <laughs> live? My next live performance is not on the bridge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually at the Republic, uh, at the airport. I have the performance at the airport. Very so cool, man. Very randomly all over the city. So. There you go. Huh? Oh, the time is from, uh, I guess if, if this is local, um, yeah. it's actually... Um, from like three to actually seven, so we're doing three like to three, seven, and what was three it? different increments of like shows? So and what's the date again? Um, it's Friday, um, the eighteenth. Okay, so yeah. we'll try to air this uh, yeah. by the seventeenth. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's going. Yeah, it's featuring that Yabba. She's actually going to be my co-performer, mm. um, local singer. So I've heard of her. She's great. Yeah, yeah. she. So it's, it's a privilege to work with her for the first time too. That's so awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, being no, here. No, thanks for having me. So I appreciate it. This, this has awesome. been, a, I Good think, to meet one you. of my favorite episodes. Good to meet you, Mom. Yeah, unique episode. <laughs> unique episode, right? <laughs> it feels like we made art, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy to be here. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Stories of the Mom Muslim Mom. Uh, we'll hope to catch you again. Peace. Salam alaikum. Salam alaikum.